ready to be forgiven. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. When I was a young minister, I used to, believe it or not, sing specials when I would go and minister places. And there we go. And uh, one of the songs I sang was, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And I don't remember the words anymore. So don't be surprised. <laughs> I don't know why that is. I guess the Lord is because he wanted me to teach and preach instead of sing. I always said if I was really a great singer, I probably would have never been a preacher. You know. Yet my father was a really great singer, and yet he loved preaching. He ruined his singing voice preaching because they didn't have microphones back in those days. And they would preach hard. And I always wonder, why do they preach so hard and loud and spit on the crowd and everything else, you know, accidentally? And uh, then I figured it out because they didn't have microphones everywhere. Some places had microphones. But uh, then I understood, you know, they had to let everybody hear of course, then they called it the anointing, you know, when they got that way. And uh, I remember uh, coaching in New Orleans, and the, one of our athletic directors, he was an old school football coach, and he yelled a lot. He said, Coach, you got to get a little more, you know, you got to get a little more with it, you know, when you talk. So I started yelling more in practice. Man, that just about ruined my voice, trying to yell at them boys. You know, I found out sometimes if you speak lower, maybe even a little softer, that people will calm down their voices a lot of times so that they will hear. When I was a school principal, I had a method. I don't even know where I got it from, but. We'd have school assembly, and all the kids would be in the bleacher, you know. And I'd tell them, you know, I'd say, now, you know, to the younger kids, the one that's just, that sits the still, most still and you don't talk, you'll get some kind of reward. So if you talk, I'm going to call you out, and you're going to go to the office, boy. And I said, now, I'm going to come in and raise this piece of paper. When you see that paper... That means be quiet, sit down, and be still. So I made a, an example, the very first assembly that I had. Some kid was cutting up. I said, I don't remember his name. I'll just call him Jimmy. I said, Jimmy, go up to the office. Sit outside the office. I'll deal with you afterwards. Man, all those kids' their eyes got that big around. And uh, after a while, I said, somebody go tell Jimmy he can come back down now. But... Uh, you know, then any time I'd come in after and I'd raise up my paper, it was a holy hush. They'd all get quiet. <laughs> well, we're talking about moving past forgiveness. How many have had things that you needed to forgive others for? People can be rather contrary, can't they? I mean, they can really hurt your feelings. Uh, I know I've hurt feelings before. Being a coach, sometimes we say things a certain way, 
and I had to learn to coach myself a little bit about how my delivery was to others and uh, being a school teacher and trying to take control of the classes you know you and so sometimes my wife has to straighten me out you know uh, she has to tell me what to do uh, yeah Zach's gonna fix the door back there kids sometimes make a lot of noise in the hallway but but we've got to move past the forgiveness issues. It, you, you'll never get rid of it all the way because you're going to have to forgive people all along the journey of your life. But let's look at a scripture. This is part two, by the way. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Pastor Ken's going to read verse 11 and 12. Now we're going to get into a few statements and whatnot, some more scriptures. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. Amen. How many know that we need to understand that God is there and he's available and he's involved in our lives. And so when we suffer wrong, you know, people take offense. You know, the Bible even warns us not to take offense easily. Or we offend somebody. I've learned to say I'm sorry a lot quicker than I used to be. As you get older, you either outlive your enemies or you've made peace with them. You know, so, but, yeah. I talked to one minister and he was in his upper 80s and he said, well, I don't have anybody that has anything against me anymore. I outlived them. (laughs) But uh, I was reading about Corey Ten Boom. I've been to the Netherlands and went by her house where the hiding place was. Also saw Anne Frank's house. Uh, you know, it was very interesting. I like history. But Corey Ten Boom, she wrote a book called The Hiding Place. And, and there's a story about how she would be speaking at different places about what they had been through. They were Jews that were in the, you know, the purge that Hitler did and, and they had gone to a place and they were hiding these Jews and, and they found them and they, they sent some to uh, the, I'm trying to remember the name of the one that they were a part of that slips my mind right now, but uh, the different camps, you know, and it's, it's foolish how I've heard some people say, oh, that Holocaust, that was just not even real. Oh, believe me, it was real. I've seen some horrible pictures. You go to Israel, they have uh, places that show it was a whole museum about the Holocaust in Jerusalem. It was very, I think it was Jerusalem. Did you go to that also? And uh, it was was very powerful how it impacts you. And you look, they had one uh, room, I think it was built by Sears, you know, uh, like Sears and Roebuck, or was it the Roebuck side? Anyway, 
they built this monument, and inside it showed these candles, and they had these mirrors all the way around. And so when you looked in the mirrors, you saw the candles just looked like they went on and on and on and on, like forever. And that was the point they were making. When those lives were snuffed out, then the candles represented a whole generation and generations after that were never able to be born. So it was a serious thing, you know, that happened. But Corey Timboom, she was speaking, and this man came up to the front to receive Christ, and he and he cried out and he said, "Oh, I know that Jesus has forgiven me." And he looked at her and said, "I was that guard." that abused you and your sister. And uh, her sister died, you know, uh, from all that abuse. And so uh, it was horrible. And he said, I know Jesus has forgiven me. Can you find it in your heart to also forgive me? And in the book, he reached out his hand to her and she said it was, took everything within her to reach back and shake his hand and say, yes, I forgive you. And she said there would be times where the anger would rise once again. And that happens at times. Maybe somebody hurts you deeply and you see somebody that looks like them and, and it reminds you and so the anger wants to rise back up. But uh, it's like this, over time it will slip away eventually, you know. So you don't, you don't feed that flame of anger. But it's not like you're going to be perfect just because you say, I forgive you. You know, it's still a struggle. And uh, anyway, we got to let go of prejudices. And prejudice is not just from culture or racial or, you know, gender-based or whatever. Prejudice happens in a lot of ways. We have religious prejudice that goes on. Uh, have you ever spoken with an, a Muslim before? Have you ever talked with somebody that's a Jew that doesn't believe in Christ as, as the Savior? Have you ever spoken with a Hindu, and uh, talk to them. Of course, they're pretty agreeable. They believe there's about a million or so gods, so they'll accept yours also. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you talk to people from different religions, and uh, it's just, uh, you know, I've had to ask the Lord to forgive me a couple of times because sometimes I get a little irritated do you ever get irritated that Hank Bowles and I were walking across the parking lot at Winn-Dixie and Naranja, south of Miami, and the Jehovah's Witness would be there in the parking lot, want to run over, and they give you an awake magazine or something. Of course, we don't believe the Jehovah's Witness, you know, and the Mormons are both seemingly nice people. You know, there are a lot of nice people that are from those sects. S-E-C-T-S. Uh, they are, you know, 
caring people at times, and just like any other religion or, or whatever. But the rea reality is neither one of them, and Zach's probably going to get into this in his teachings on Sunday morning, but neither one of those groups believed Jesus Christ was the only begotten Son of God. They both believed that he was like an angel that came to earth and became a person, a human. And so uh, they don't give him full deity like Zach was talking on Sunday. Uh, and it's, but uh, anyway, we were walking across the parking lot and this young man got ahead of his partner and he came over and he was going to hand me a magazine. I said, are you a Jehovah's Witness? And the young man didn't know how to respond. I said, why well, am too? And I put out my hand. He reached out to shake it and I didn't let go. This was wrong of me. I'm confessing my faults before God and before you tonight. And I started to pray in the spirit. And he reached and he grabbed that hand and he ran across that parking lot. And I, I believe that, you know, you can get an X on top of your head, you know, because they never came up to us again. I thought it was kind of funny, but I, it was wrong. And the guy was long gone. I couldn't say I was sorry about it. So I say I'm sorry for acting that way, you know, at the expense of somebody's belief system. But, you know, if a Jehovah's Witness come to our door and ring the bell years ago, I would open the door I would say, you can come in if I can pray with you. And uh, they'll pray for you, but they won't let you pray for them, see, if you're not a Jehovah's Witness. I said, here, let's hold hands and pray, and I'll lead us. I'm a pastor. And they said, well, here, uh, we'll leave this with you, and we're, we can't do that, and they leave. See, There's a lot of things you can tell when people don't believe the right stuff. If you're truly a believer, a Christian, then you can pray with somebody else that is a believer, even a non-believer, if they'll let you pray for them. I've prayed with a lot of people, a lot of places. But I don't know why I got off on that, but prejudice is what we're talking about. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Read that, Pastor Ken. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they are being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, you know, Paul, he was Saul before that and he persecuted the Christians. So he knew what he was talking about. And a lot of people are religious to a fault and there's no love. They're just legalistic about it. Uh, there's some things even about those who believe in Jesus Christ when they're so legalistic that it's hard to have good fellowship with them because they would rather find a fault in something. Uh, you know, my father, he was a classical Pentecostal preacher and he would never have preached in a short sleeve shirt. Oh, when I went to Florida after the hurricane hit, because I wore suits every Sunday, you know, but after Hurricane Andrew hit and we lost our church, and the first Sunday after I was preaching out on the lawn of the church 
with a bunch of folding chairs with no nothing over us but the good Lord sky above us. And I had a T-shirt on and blue jeans and tennis shoes. And, and that broke me of being too religious about how you dress. Now, I do like to dress pretty nice. But, you know, I, I quit being as tightly wound about what everybody else thinks. You know, but back in those days, I mean, they didn't want women wearing makeup. And they didn't want them. My grandmother, Ken's grandmother, also, she had her hair on top of her head. You'd never know how long it was until, unless you went over to her house in the evening when she was getting ready to go to bed. And I'd spent the night there quite a few different times. And her hair, once she unwound it like a bird's nest and lowered it, it was down to her waist. I couldn't believe how long her hair was. But they thought that was how you were being righteous or holy was by how your hair was or how you dressed and so on. My aunt who's been coming to church on Sundays the last three Sundays, she loves it. She asked me every week, well, do I get to come again? I said, you can come every Sunday. I can? She said, now, I got to tell you, when I was a kid, I went to the Baptist church. This is a little different than what I grew up in. You know, so I said, well, that's all right. Do you enjoy it? She says, oh, yes, I enjoyed it very much. And she told Zach at lunch, I, I said, well, how do you like Zach's uh, preaching? And she said, she looked at him and said, you're awesome. I've never heard her even use the word awesome before. And she said, you are just awesome. And I'm glad that she feels that way. But, see, my uncle... He had a wife that uh, left him while he was overseas in the military. He got married very young, like 17 years old or so. And that wife ran off with one of his good buddies and divorced him while he was overseas. And so then when he came back, he had another wife and she got a brain tumor or something. I don't remember what she died of. Leukemia, some kind of disease anyway. And she was such a sweet lady. Vanita, I think, was her name. And they lived out somewhere around T Highway or AA Highway out there somewhere. And uh, she passed away. He just wasn't having good luck, you know. And so then he met my Aunt Barbara, who's been coming. They would have been married since 1965, that's 57 or 8 years. Uh, and so he was 10 years older than her. He met her at the bowling alley. He was a great bowler. He bowled a couple of perfect games, and they bowled in the leagues and everything. But she, they just, because the church was so critical of people that had been divorced. And sometimes... They weren't as hard on a divorced person as they were on a person that was divorced that got married again. And, you know, the sad thing about that is, you know, even Paul wrote, hey, it's better to be married than to burn, you know, than to have those desires in you and not have a, your own spouse to fulfill them. So 
we just got to really look at the word and the context of it and the, what it says, really, and go back to the original if you have to, to get the meaning of it, you know. But God's grace and His mercy is here for us to get to know the Lord, to, to become a part of the kingdom, not keep us out of the kingdom because we had a failed marriage or something. But they would have been married like 58 years. He died at one month short of 91 years old. and Now, I'm, we're her only family. She said, well, his family's my family. She's got a niece that lives in Jackson who's 77 years old that she was kind of a late bloomer. And then she's got a, a great niece that lives in Columbia. That's her only family that's ne anywhere near and they don't ever come to see her. So we are her family. Now she's enjoying church. She's like a, a bud starting to bloom all over again. She's not sharing the same old things over and over and over, but now she's speaking new thoughts and new words. and It's really great to see as the Lord does a work. And uh, she understands now, you know, that that religiosity that caused them to leave church about 1970 or so and not really go back. They went out to Twin Springs for two or three times, I think. My Uncle Harold, I think he was kind of thinking about it at the end of his life, so he went and visited the Baptist church there a couple of times. But when I talked to him on the phone, he'd say, well, I had a good talk with the good Lord. You know, so I knew he was getting it right. And now we're helping her get it right. It's never too late. You know, God will help you. But these prejudices that can hurt and cause people to leave church, not just a church, but the church, where they don't go to church at all because they've been wounded. And so many people say, well, I was hurt in church. Well, you can get hurt at Kmart or Walmart, you know, or Target. You can get hurt working for key drugs if you want to. I mean, you can get hurt working for the school system. You can get hurt anywhere in your emotions. You know, if you let it happen, it can happen. But the reality is God wants you to move past living in that hurt and learn to forgive and get beyond that and start to live more effectively in your life today. Romans 1, was that 15? Let's go there, Pastor Ken. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. He's made it plain, you know. It was to the Jew first, and then to the Greek, or to the Gentile, to the rest of us. Aren't you glad that you are able to be forgiven today and live in the kingdom of God and have the promise of heaven one day when your time comes? You know, what a glorious expectation we can have. Before, though, what, what did the Gentiles have to look forward to? I mean, yet they still cried out at times, 
That man at the tombs cried out to Jesus. He had been demonized and they tried to chain him in the graveyard and, and they didn't want him in town. And Jesus came along and cast all those devils out of him. They went into the swine who ran off into the Sea of Galilee and drowned themselves. And so he was set free. Jesus loved it. He, he is salvation as the Christ. And then, you know, others, the woman at the well, they had a whole revival in that Samaritan city. Came out, she had been married how many times? Five times. And the man she was with, she wasn't married to. So he made a point, you know. He, and she said, well, I perceive you must be a prophet. Well, it wasn't Dr. Phil. It was Jesus the Christ. And he knew every detail there was to know about her. And she, she, on that alone, she believed in him. And she went back and evangelized the whole city. They all came out and heard the gospel while the disciples were off looking for a golden corral or something. They were looking for food. Isn't that like Christians? Sometimes you miss the opportunity to minister to somebody because you're always wanting to eat. I'm trying to get a handle on that myself now. I've been watching what I've been eating lately. Anticipation of the Christmas season. I know people are going to try to give me fudge and brownies and cookies. And I, I don't, please don't. Spare me. Help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me, folks, to not sin. But uh, anyway, we got to get past prejudices. You know, and learn that. And I tell you, it's Friday night. I don't know that they announced that, did they? Or was it on the screen? We have the freshwater worship at the Rogers Theater on Friday night. Uh, Zach leads a whole band of musicians and singers, and they collectively come from other churches and they join together and have a worship time. Now, he had a guy over here practicing some music with him before church before you got here that plays the cello so they're going to have somebody playing the cello on friday isn't it going to be an acoustical time of worship zach more you're going you, oh okay not really okay i don't know where i got that i guess that was in my imagination but uh he had a guy that's going to play the cello with the worship band that was cool he was good i enjoyed listening to it but you know it's neat to watch the Baptist and the Methodist and the Assembly of God and the non-denominational and from Church of God. I mean, they've had, he's got them from different churches coming together, doing worship and praise together. It's marvelous. And so I know there will be quite a few people there. And if you've got the time, run by there. It's at 7 o'clock, right? 7 o'clock down at the historical Rogers Theater. And they got nice chairs that you can sit in and enjoy the presence of God. But Paul could preach the gospel to anybody. Why? Because he wasn't ashamed. He was free. You know, he didn't have to say, well, you know, the, the good Samaritan that came by and helped the man that was wounded the other religious people walked on by. But he stopped and helped that man 
poured in the oil and the wine, and then he took him to the inn and paid for him to have a place to stay. And he said, I'll come back by in a few days or a week or so, and when I come by, I'll, I'll pay for some more if need be or check up on him. And, you know, it showed that, you know, if you love God and you care about people, it doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your culture is. It's so funny. My Spanish is so crazy because I speak with an accent. And I don't know that much of it, but I know enough to get into trouble. And so when I speak it, those people just love it. When I go to Mexico or, or Costa Rica or Guatemala or Ecuador, and I try to speak it, don't you know they enjoy that because you try? So you don't have any prejudice. If you're going to move past forgiveness, you don't let issues get to you you got to break that somehow just like I used to go into the projects of New Orleans and I'd take singing groups down there and, and we'd go witness and do music and we'd set up right next to the methadone clinic and hold a concert and I'd go play basketball while they were singing come back you know and because the stigma of what a project is and they look at you as an outsider but you know when you have the love of God and you show people that you care now you got to be wise as a serpent harmless as a dove you don't go walking down the sidewalk in a project by yourself I don't care what color you are you know you could get attacked because it's a bad area a lot of drugs and so on. But I used to go in there and I would witness and I would bring little kids over to the church for children's church and such as that before I got married. And I just, you know, people say, you're crazy going in there, you could get killed. I said, well, I'll go to heaven then. I'm not going to stop reaching out to people. Uh, it's, you know, it's just the way it is. God's going to take care of me. He's got my back. And so I did. And the Lord, I think, honored the effort. And uh, so on. Anyway. So we've got to let go of those prejudices and know that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's why I prayed with two African-American heavyweight boxers on Southwest Airlines that time and led them to the Lord. And, and I've prayed with other types of people. I witnessed to a Muslim girl who was a sports agent. She was working for an agency that she had been to a college football game. She was meeting some of the players that might get drafted and so on. And I witnessed to her, you know. I just found somebody that I could talk to anywhere at any time and what a fun life this has been to be that way now statement two is this forgiveness must be unconditional you can't put conditions well i forgive you but if you ever do this again or if you act this way i'm not going to have anything to do with you you know you've got to love people unconditionally you can't control them 
And Jesus made it plain to Peter, if they flub up again, you've got to forgive them again. How many times? Seven times 70. I mean, it's endless. That's why forgiveness must be unconditional when you're dealing with other people. Let's look at Luke 17, 3 and 4, Pastor Ken, if you would. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times <laughs> in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, I like that part, don't you? It's our job to forgive, or else we won't be forgiven. Don't go acting like you're special. Although we used to sing that song years ago when I was associate pastor, when we had asked how many visitors we'd have, and you'd say, you are so special to my father. He knows your name and address, and he's ordered the best for you. You're so special to my father, and something else and something else, because I don't remember the words again. Anyway, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says, hmm? We did? Okay. Well, how about Mark 11, 25 and 26? And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, Neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Ouch. You don't have a choice. I'm going to take a poll. How many of y'all want to go to heaven one day? That's everybody <laughs> except Danielle. She didn't raise her hand. Oh, you are? Okay. Okay, just checking. I want, I want you to want to go to heaven. But, uh, yeah, I'm just picking on you. Making sure you're not sleeping. But, uh, if you don't forgive, will you forgive me for making fun of you? If you'll think about it, you want to go to heaven? Come on. Anyway, uh, if you want to go to heaven, then you got to forgive. Like I said l the other week, it doesn't mean you give your car keys to somebody just because you forgive them. You know, you gotta, they got to earn trust. That's a different story. But forgiveness is... 100% unconditional all the time. you got to forgive. You get weary of it sometimes. But, you know, especially when you're raising kids, sometimes they irritate you because they keep flubbing up sometimes. And so you got to deal with them. But you hang in there. I, I look back at raising my four kids, and they're all four in church. Nick's singing on the praise team. Chelsea's helping with the youth. Zach's the local pastor now. Alicia is the vice president in a bank, and she sings on the praise team and married to a fine young man, you know, that loves God and had been on the mission field a couple of years. I'd say, man, I'd almost pat myself on the back if I could reach it. I'll try. Good job. But, you know, it's, it's great to see. You can't give up on your kids. You can't give up on your brothers and your sisters. You can't give up on your parents or whosoever because you've got to keep forgiving because eventually they're going to see it 
and they can believe it. A lot of them here in Missouri, this show me state, they got to see it before they can believe it. What did we just read? Mark 11? Let's read Luke 6, 36 and 37. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Amen. You know what's exciting about those verses? They're right before the part about Give, and it will be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, running over. Men will even come and put it into your bosom. Pastor King quoted uh, 638 tonight. So these verses come first. You know, if you're not active and you're forgiving, it doesn't matter if you give. It might not work too good. If you're not forgiving, you got to forgive. Like I said, I've had people mad at me, and I didn't know what they were mad about. I slept real good that night. You know? But if they told me what was wrong, and I did something, and offended them, I can say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't understand that that's the way you took it. That's not what I meant. And I think you're a great guy. I think you're a great gal. So the Lord bless you. Luke 23 and 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. Mm. Of course, you know what happened. One thief condemned him and said, Call angels, get us down off these crosses. If, if you're really uh, the son of God. And the other one said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. And he, Jesus turned to him and said, This day you'll be with me in paradise. That's awesome. He got to go to paradise. He met Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and all the saints, Moses. And then Jesus, when he ra was raised from the dead, he led captivity out to heaven. He preached the gospel down there and said, I am the Lord. I am the Christ that you were waiting for. And now you're forgiven. They were people who believed in God, but they had not accepted or experienced the fullness of salvation yet. But they were the believers. The other ones were in hell across that fixed gulf. And, you know, even the rich man said, Oh, send, send uh, Lazarus, the beggar, back. You know, if, Lord, if you can just put a few drops of water on my tongue, send, send that beggar back to warn my brothers. And, of course, he told them, you know, they've already had the prophets and, the, and who else? <laughs> anyway. They've already had all the word they need to believe, and yet they don't. You know, it's sad. Number three is this. No other option but to forgive. There is no other option. You have to forgive. Now, they might have wronged you in a terrible, terrible way, but the forgiveness is because God's offering you the relief you need. The other scripture said... It's not just for the person who needs a forgiveness or for you who needs to forgive, but it's because Christ wants to do something in your life that's awesome and great. So do it for the sake of Christ, not just for yourself, although you do yourself some good when you forgive. Here's a quote by Tammy Faye Baker Messner. That was Jim Baker's wife when there was the PTL network and the, the big 
commune or whatever you want to call it out there. They had all those condominiums they were building and everything. And Jim Baker went to prison, and it was all a terrible situation. It was a scandal. But Tammy Faye was being interviewed by Larry King. I saw that interview on TV, and she shared this. She said, I simply chose to forgive Jim for his affair. Sure, I was hurt and did not want to forgive him, but I knew if I didn't, I wouldn't get forgiveness from God. No matter your opinion of anybody in the religious circles, she understood if she wanted to go to heaven one day, she died of cancer, so I'm sure she's in heaven. Why do I know that? Because she believed in Jesus Christ. doesn't matter what kind of hairstyle she had or how much makeup she wore. That's none of my business. But she loved Jesus, and she, she wanted him to forgive her, so she forgave Jim, and he's in prison. Now, she divorced him, but that's between her and him and God, you know. Statement number four, guilty people need mercy to get forgiven. That's why we come boldly before the throne of God and obtain grace and mercy in our time of need. That's Hebrews 4.16. But number five, let go of any revenge you feel towards someone who hurts you. Now, I wrote some little notes down here. I need to put my glasses on so I can read them. Uh, Ken Sumrall, he told the story. He was one of my papas in the faith. But he told the story about this flight attendant that came to his church. And she would come down the altar and just cry and cry out. And she was just tormented. And she had anger towards her father. I don't know what her father did to her. But it's something very bad. And so she just cried and cried in the altar and said, help me. Brother Summerall was ready to go. I mean, they'd been there for a couple hours, and, and there was, you know, people there that served in the altars and everything. And he said, well, I just don't know what else to do for you. And she said, please pray for me again. And so he laid his hand on her and prayed for her. And he said, just cry out to God and tell him that you forgive your father. And so she said, but... You don't know what he did. He said, Brother Summerall was, he was something else. He was not a real big man, but he had a booming voice, you know. And he said, I don't need to know. Just do it. He was ready to go home. He was up in years. And uh, she cried out, I forgive my dad. I forgive him in Jesus' name. And when she did that, all of a sudden, it's like the heavens parted. And she said, I forgave him. Oh, my, I feel good. I got my breakthrough. And he said he didn't even, he didn't even have anything, anything left anymore to give her. You know, but she got her breakthrough because she was willing to say that she forgave. And it reminds me of the lady I've told you about named Rebecca. She was a big lady, and... She was a Jewish lady, and she came to our church. Somebody invited her, and she sat right on the front row. She sat like this. And she, 
she just, you know, it's kind of intimidating because I preached on the floor there as well, you know. And, and so I preached, and she just watched me the whole time, and I could feel her gaze, you know. She was like 75 years old. She was Jewish. She wasn't a Christian. And I asked for, you know, people to, that wanted prayer, and she didn't come up. But she asked me after the service, said, can I come see you in your office? I said, well, sure. Just call the office, make an appointment. And so she called, and she came, and she was, they sat her in my office, and I came in. I said, well, hi. I said, tell me your name again. She said, it's Rebecca. I said, well, nice to meet you, Rebecca. And I sat down. I said, how can I help you? She said, my mother married another man after my father died. And my stepfather abused me and my sister. I said, well, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I said, well, you need to forgive your mother for that. I said, where is she? She said, she's dead. I said, well, okay. Boy, I stuck my foot all the way in my mouth. I said, how long has she been dead? Over 15 years. And I looked at her. I said, you know what? You look like a very intelligent woman. And it's surprising that you would let a dead person control your life. 15 years after she passed. And her mouth dropped open. Like that. She said, I said, you got to forgive your mom or you'll never be free of this torment. She said, I just don't feel it. She had tears in her eyes by then. I said, look. And I came over by her and I said, give me your hand, ma'am. And I said, pretend that I am your mother. I know that's hard. I did have long hair back then. But I said, but I had a full beard. <laughs> I said, just pretend I'm your mom and say, I forgive you, mother, for marrying that dodo bird. <laughs> she looked at me <laughs> and she said, okay, I'll try it. She, she looked at me and she said, I forgive you mother and she just broke down and began to sob and weep uncontrollably and I just reached over and put my arm around her shoulder and patted her on the back and, and she just felt so good she'd come to church sit on that front row she'd smile you know she had a little trouble with her knees and walking and so she didn't get up and dance or anything she would just smile and watch everything and but God had such a breakthrough for her and I thought to myself wow she's like 75 and it wasn't too late she made it gonna make it to heaven you know that's a long time ago that was about 20 years ago that that happened so she'd be pushing a hundred right now but it's amazing what forgiveness does but people need mercy. So statement number five is, goes along with that. It's let go of any revenge 
you feel towards someone who hurt you. Don't feel like you've got to take revenge on them. And there's people I see around town that I felt like they kind of did us wrong and didn't act right. And, but I just say, God, I love them, and I forgive them. Every time anything comes up. you got to do it over and over until, you know, you really feel it. And you, you feel grace towards them. So let's read two more scriptures, and then I'll pray. Matthew 5 and 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And then Romans 12, 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, I started with Corey Ten Boom, and I'm going to end with it. You see, a minister told her when she said she was having trouble still forgiving that guard. They walked outside, and there was a church across the street, and, and it had a bell tower on it. And he said, they go, and they grab the rope, and they ring the bell. But then they let go, and sometimes the bell continues to bong, 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 until it stops. And the guy told her, he said, that's how forgiveness is. You got to let go of the rope that rings the bell. And eventually, it will stop sounding in your ear. And so that's my encouragement to you tonight. you got to let go of the rope that rings the bell of unforgiveness and anger. For us to move beyond forgiveness into the blessings and the callings of God, you've got to go beyond forgiveness. You've got to go beyond, and you've got to let go of that rope. Stand with me tonight. And I just encourage you, maybe this is, just a little reminder to you. Or maybe this penetrates and it really hits home for you. Well, just like Nike in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God told Moses, just do it. You know, he told him, stop going around this mountain anymore. You know, but go forward. Go northward, in other words. Hey, Bob, you want prayer? Or? Okay. Well, Let's all pray together while I lay hands on Bob. Okay? All right. There may be others that have had family members hurt you or a friend betray you. That might be you. Just pray this prayer with us. Lord Jesus, I forgive. And you say those names yourself. Yeah. And Lord... I yield my emotions and my anger to you. I let go of the rope. Now help me to do this every day until it stops ringing in my ear and bring healing to my heart. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right. You're a bold man, I tell you, just come up here and I didn't even make